0: Okay, uh, here we are at uh, the August 14th, 2014 meeting of the Science Fiction Club, and we're discussing The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. So um, we can go around the room and people can give their impressions.
1: Okay, that's funny. I guess I'll start. Um, I don't know quite what to think of this book. It was... Well, for a bit, it was almost not science fiction-y, if that's a word. I think... I don't know. I I didn't like The Torture, of course. I did read it. Um, It it was different than any of the other alien books I read, because... all the other alien books I read really have never been that violent. I mean, there was some violence in some, of it. not like that. Um, and interestingly, I, I think I'm going to have to read the sequel to it because, as Mary said, there are some. I, I can you can tell that there was going to be a sequel. Um, but as for liking the book, I don't know. It's, I guess I go back and forth. It's like, dude, I like it. Did I not? And I think some parts I did and some parts I didn't. Um, I felt really, really horribly sorry for the crew. I mean, some of them died die pretty violent deaths and then um, the first guy that died just kind of died in a coma of some sort and they still don't know know what happened to him so I don't know I liked some of it I didn't like some of it would I read it again I don't think so
2: well um, this is Martin talking I had read it of course I recommended it to the club I had read it on Bookshare and uh, I read it again now and remembered a lot I had forgotten I I can, can Continue to think it's a, gr- a great book. However, it does. Uh, it, it might be more of a theological book than a science fiction book. You know, with regard to the questions of the existence of God and why does God do these things? That's why the book is called The Spiral, because according, you know, they quote one of the pers- the characters quoted um, one of the um, sayings from the Bible about uh, nothing can happen you know with a, even if a spiral falls or god is aware of it so i think it raises a lot of theological questions i thought the science fiction part was very interesting the way you know they presented the relationship between the two uh, the species on the planet and how in introducing those gardens caused all the problems the violence i didn't you know there was, there was violence but i didn't find as much violence as i've seen in other books it was more the uh, the after effects of the violence, the, the destruction of the character of, of, of Emilio Santos, and of course, in and in the idea of how he was um, so ill-used, you know, raped and everything. Um, I'm, you know, I read the second book from Bookshare. I don't remember that much about it. I'm, I, might, you know, I don't suppose we would want to read the second book as a book for next month, although I would certainly be happy to do so. So I guess, you know, again, I would say I thought it was a very good book.
3: Okay, well, I have probably read this, these two books, or at least portions more than some of you might have. Having Between this past month where I've gone through some of it, and then a few months ago I went through it in a little more detail, and then reading it the first time on Bookshare a couple of years ago, Uh, Parts I like and parts I don't like, and I have heard of Christians who have gone through a lot more than what Emilio went through, and they did not deny their faith. That's one thing that surprised me about Emilio, that it was almost like he was just thriving on having people treat him like he was a poor, tortured soul and, and and you know, getting all this attention and all. That. And yes, he's been through a lot, but good grief, enough is enough. Anyway, um, the alien cultures, I'm probably am going to get into that a little later on because, as I said, I've got a summary that might help some people piece things together at the end. And it's at least it's my take on it. It may not be totally true, but... Um, you know, we can talk about it if if we choose to go that route. Parts of the book I liked, parts I definitely did not. Um, I just thought the violence was too much. It was almost like, almost like the author was just trying to thrive on it. And uh, anyway, that's enough for me.
4: Um, I'm kind of ambiguous on the book. I liked a lot of the description he did, or she did. Um, I didn't like the violence. I had real trouble suspending my belief because I can't imagine sending a, an only one lander that far away. I think that was a little contrived um, and I, I'm, I'm not too interested in reading the second book. So, that's my feelings on the subject.
5: I like the characters. This is Carla Hayes. Sorry, I came in a little late, but I had to work late again. But, um, anyhow, that said, um, I haven't quite finished the book, but I'm um, getting there, um, school starting and a lot of things are taking precedence but anyhow uh, I liked the character of Emilio in a lot of ways of course being a linguist I could identify with him and I I just thrive on language and descriptions like that but it wasn't very science fiction-y in some ways Um, and as far as um, his uh, losing his faith I think there's a psychological thing that when two men are in a foxhole um one comes to faith and and one loses his faith so i didn't that didn't suspend my belief i think what suspended my belief was there didn't seem like for a uh, mission of that type or let's say a trip of that type to another planet unless they didn't show it there wasn't as much preparation as i would expect and maybe sometimes um it got a little bogged down on on the characters and the development, but um, I don't know. I think it's a I think it's a good book uh, so far. As I said, I, I didn't quite finish it; just ran out of time. But I don't know if I would um, read it again. I guess I'll feel I'll really know when I finish the book. But I really am enjoying it so
0: far. Um, I thought it was okay. Um i uh, there were somebody on the d b reviews list i can 't remember who it was I think it was shannon Dyer, but i don 't remember said it wasn't really science fiction. It was a literary book with some science fictional trappings, which, okay, that's a debate that people will have. It's on the border somewhere. Um, and I read some other reviews and you know on Amazon and so on, but uh, I thought it was a pretty good book. But here's the strange thing. Lissy and I read straight through, and we did not think that it was as violent as some books that we've read. I mean, we have to skip sections sometimes in other books where there's uh, violence in the book. And I mean, if you think about it, there was not very much explicit violence. She refers to explicit, to violent scenes, the massacre, of the babies. She doesn't show, you know, a lot of blood and gore. She doesn't show explicit, you know, massacring of babies. Uh, His hands, the way they were maimed, they didn't show that. She referred to it and she referred to the aftermath, there was the bleeding and so on, and Mark Robichaux died of it, but she did not give a blow-by-blow description of it. The closest she came to explicit violence was the first time he was raped, and that was a touch-and-go. I didn't know if Lissy would stick with me through that, but it only lasted about a half a minute, and then we were through. But So we did not think that it was as violent as some other books. Um, so, um, but, uh, as far as uh, other aspects of the book, I, I'm not really that interested in theological questions, uh, not being a believer myself, I don't really care, you know, about theological questions relating to God, so I wasn't all that interested in that, um, the general, she did take account of, you know, general relativity, um, and but you couldn't see the clocks changing that quickly. I mean, there was a scene early on in the book um, where she—you see that she shows the clocks, you know, varying from Earth to ship time. And you wouldn't see that for weeks, if not months, of acceleration before you know the, the, the clocks would vary significantly. Um, because you have to get fairly close to the speed of light before those times start to vary noticeably on a human, noticeable time scale. But she still, you know, took account of it, and that was that was good. Um, and so overall, it was okay. I wouldn't read it again, you know. And I'm I was interested in the second book. There was some suspenseful moments in there, and they explained some serious things, you know. Uh, that were in the first book that weren't explained. Um, But that's my general impression of the book.
6: This is Sherry. Um, I agree with Evan. I really read this with a real feeling of dread, just from what I had heard and and the NLS annotation. I thought, sure, all these people that were really extremely likable characters were going to be slowly tortured to death in excruciating detail at some point in the book. And I managed to read the book straight through without skipping anything either just because although the things that happen are horrific, she doesn't linger on the details. She just says that they happened and she's done. And so I was fine with that too. I've certainly read worse and had to skip through worse than that. Um, I liked the... um, the whole turn of the plot with the garden and how the effect of something like that, that they wouldn't think would have an impact, ended up having such a tremendous impact. I thought that was interesting. And I, I i liked the book more than I disliked it, but I didn't like it enough that I intend to read the sequel. However, I'm really curious to see what happened in the sequel, so I'm hoping somebody that did read it might... uh indulge us by doing uh, spoiler details on the um, science fiction email list so I could see what happens.
7: I really um, have a lot of mixed feelings about this book, Um, partially because I think that from a technical standpoint, as far as the scientific stuff is concerned, there are some weaknesses, and um, maybe... Some of the things about the journey weren't all that particularly convincing and that kind of thing. However, I also found it very very compelling. Um, uh, Somebody else mentioned that they were not particularly religious and neither am I. But I thought that a lot of the, um, whether you believe in God and in Christianity or not, you probably, we all have beliefs of some kind. And to have those challenged in such profound ways, whether they're the same challenges that we would have or not, um, I thought that was a pretty universal and very fascinating exploration. I wasn't too troubled with the with the violence I agree with some other people that yeah it was sort of there were some rough spots, but it wasn't just unbearably too violent, and it wasn't egregious violence um, i it 's been about a month and a half actually, since I read the book, and so when I saw that the book club was going to um, discuss it, I really wanted to be sure and 'd be here because i 'm kind of ambivalent on one hand, like I said, I think there were some weaknesses, but I also think that in some ways it 's probably as good a science fiction as i 've read in five years at least in fact. I'm not sure what the last book that I've read that I thought was its equal as far as impact was concerned. Now, did I like it all? No. But was I extremely um, connected with the characters? Yes. And I'm really looking forward to reading the second book. I haven't done that yet.
8: Um, I guess I love the book. Um, I love the sequel, too. But that doesn't mean that I agree with everything that happened. Um, In fact, there was a time that Evan and I were laughing because they were so unscientific. You know, they were so ill-prepared to be um, mingling with another culture. Um, They sure weren't like Star Trek where you're not supposed to tamper with a culture. I was shocked that they grew the gardens. Um, We were given warning because the merchant said before you know before the um, he said that about the calorie limit and I I knew right away when they did the gardens that they were going to be in terrible trouble because the um, the plant e- eating aliens you know the ones that were the prey um, were um, kept on a low calorie um, diet so that they the, their population was controlled to a point, and it, you know it affected their intelligence, and um, it just really threw off the balance of the culture completely. I was just shocked. Um, I was heartbroken at the end of the first book, and crying and crying. And um, I was, I wouldn't have been happy about Mary about your spoiler, except that I was so distraught that Evan said, well, "I'm just going to tell you now, so that you'll calm down." That some of these things are going to be resolved. Um, the torture was, in fact, told in h- hindsight, so <clears throat> we didn't see it in progress. We saw more the ap- aftermath, and I didn't think that Sandoz was, you know, vying for attention. I think he was just truly traumatized because, um, you know, it wasn't just that he was raped repeatedly, but he also had sensory deprivation. Afterwards, you know, he was put in that dark um, enclosure, you know, in solitary, and um, I
0: I noticed on
8: Earth there was such um, a wave of censure where they they were looking to find him guilty of murdering um, the young girl that he loved so much and prostituting himself. Um, they really were jumping to conclusions it was just a crime that the um, religious order didn't kept the um, the records that the crew sent back under wraps that was just that was the biggest crime in the world I thought that they that they could keep all that information as a secret um, there's so much I want to say about this book um, we learned that the culture on earth is in terrible stress and th- those problems are never um, really addressed that um, earth is suffering badly from overpopulation and that you know hundreds of thousands of people are dying in wars and and from um, population over overpopulation uh, the, re- the result of overpopulation so the author never addresses those problems um, being dealt with on earth um, in the second book, you will find that um, the re- retribution against the meat-eaters is so extreme. Um, they go from the abusers to the, being the abused. Um, oh, there's just so much I could tell you You know that I think about this book. Um, oh, Sandos, I am interested in um, theological issues and... My only um, difficulty, you know, when when he was feeling, uh, when they were trying to find him guilty of so much, I thought that the guilt was in finally deciding I'm going to murder the next person that comes through this door, and that was the most unchristian thing for him to decide. He never could have guessed that the next person through the door was going to be the alien that he loved the most. But in, his sin was that he eventually fell prey to the need for vengeance. And um, that's the thing I think he should have addressed. Um, in the second book, I was sad that he never really um, reestablished uh, comfort and and. Faith, his faith it was a big big as a christian myself it was a big disappointment i thought the author's sense of humor was terrible when when she was trying to make the characters warm and fuzzy um and they were you know they were supposed to be funny i didn't think they were very funny at all and i think it's just because i don't think she's good at um writing humor um i guess i'll just stop for now and maybe jump in later
3: well, there's one thing that I can't resist telling you, and it might be something you questioned. Um, Sophia does survive, and she stays on the planet, and she's in the second book and plays a pretty big part in that. That's about all I'm going to say. Um, I think there's an Old Testament occurrence, and I can't remember now where it is, but I think it's in at least the... Uh, Joshua or Judges or something where somebody decides they're going to kill somebody that shows up and it ends up being one of his children. And the the person who did it was just, of course, heartbroken and over that. I can't remember now who it was, but I know it's in the
0: scripture somewhere. That was Jephthah, I believe.
1: Yep, I think you're right, Evan. You know... I think, in the beginning, I did not like the Father General, because I thought he was, like, uncaring, uncompassionate. But then, at the very end, where he actually makes um, Emilio speak what happened, that was hard. I really kind of felt bad for Emilio. I mean... But I, I, it was the right thing to do, even though Felipe, I think it was, uh, didn't quite understand it, although maybe he did at the end. But um, I think it was the right thing to do, because afterward, when the
3: Father General and him met, he seemed a lot better. I had a real hard time with that, too. I mean... I could see Emilio's point where, you know, he says, well, haven't I been through enough? Haven't I been through enough? How can you do this? T-? You know, And I wondered if it was really the right time for them to force him to say what happened. I Maybe there never is a right time for something like that, but that was one of the places that I had a horrible time getting through. I was crying for Emilio. I said, please stop this. <laughs> I don't know. I I know. I can see why they had to do it, but why did they have to do it then? But then, well, maybe it was better then than later. I don't know. But I had a horrible time with that part.
6: I really like the character of Vincenzo also, and I agree with I, whoever just said that um, they didn't like him at first. At first, you thought he was going to be just uncaring and not compassionate at all, and he ends up being a very wise person and very compassionate Um, I thought the characters, all the characters were were developed well, and I agree that I did not think Emilio was just out to get attention, I mean, he not only had been traumatized for all the reasons that have been mentioned, but he also lost all the people that he loved the most in the world, including one by his own hands, which had to be hard, and it is nice to know that Sophia, for some reason, survived and is going to be around in the second book, that's good news.
0: Yeah, I agreed with Lela. Um, we didn't like him at first either, but then, you know, he we, I liked him better. I think we both did, um, because, you know, what Mary said earlier, I mean, he gives Emilio the speech, you know, about Jesuits have been tortured and burned and, you know, raped and, you know, all this other stuff for centuries. You know, you're you know, you've had a traumatic experience, but you're not unique, you know, get it together here, and, you know, I said, okay, you know, I, I had to, uh, sympathize with the, with the Father General, and I actually did start liking him better, though I wasn't sure, I'm not so sure about in the sequel whether I agree with his position, but I can't spoil that, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, in the first book, I, I really did start liking him better, you know, after, uh, you know, he, he kind of gave Emilio the, you know, straighten-up speech.
8: We never really found out what happened to the second crew. Even in the second book, we never found out in great detail. But throughout books one and two, I was shocked at the lack of interest they had in the um, biological diversity. Um, the fact that they didn't bring back zillions of samples of um, you know the the wildlife, they you know li- plant life, and the minerals and whatever that were were on that planet. It, one it it was a very um, human-centered book, and I really loved that. But I just felt that there was a lack of scientific interest. Um, also, I thought that culture cultures were were beautifully and and deep and, and Brought in great detail, um, the predators. You know their social hierarchy was so strict about the firstborn sons and the second and the third, and the role of women. And um, and in the culture of the uh, plant eaters, they were so different in that they, you know, they weren't um, into status. They were so community oriented and so protective of their young and so accepting of each other. And um, those cultures were were beautifully wrought, but, but they were harshly dealt with, um, especially in the second book. I kind of thought that the author had very little mercy in her heart when it's all told.
7: One of the things that I found really interesting in this book is something that somebody mentioned quite a bit earlier about, pointing out that there were real problems with earth's culture and um so what we saw was that earth is already in crisis and when they arrived on the other planet that culture was not in crisis and it was some of the actions that they took which caused there to be this big mess that went on with the with the massacre and apparently in the second book that is becomes even like a full scale war between the two um, the two species. So um, I think that one of the things that just the whole points of this this series must be just how well I found it really poignant that something that those people who were growing the garden, thought was such a wonderful boon to everyone ended up being such a disaster and how often that is so true in the way when we do that, we've seen that in cultures, you know bringing um, people to uh, America Uh, that was just, you know, it wasn't so much an ecological disaster, at least at first, but it certainly was a disaster to the people who were the Indians so um, it, it, there's a sort of a huge universal theme there.
2: I was wondering what people think about the way the book was structured, the fact that, you know, they would jump back and forth in time and spend a lot of time, you know, um, in with Emilio in the monastery and, and, and then jumping back to, to scenes on the planet. I wonder if it could have been written in a, in a, in a better way to make it more – emphasis on the on the science fiction part of it.
3: I think it could have been um, for example in chapter 20 they describe the Hasta Akala ritual with, that changes somebody's hands to look like the leaves of that ivy and as the ivy depends on the vine that it's on then people depend on their hands and they don't have any hands that makes them helpless and you didn't put that together with how Um, Emilio was invited to this, whatever it was, and he misunderstood. He didn't realize it was the ritual. He thought it was hospitality. Um, And that's how he ended up getting so, so maimed and injured. But you couldn't make that connection with the ritual unless you'd read Chapter 20 and remembered part of it, and it's buried in there. So that, that could have brought, been brought together, and some of the other stuff could have been brought together because they keep flipping around between planets and scenery and situations, and sometimes it's really hard to just put two and two together and figure out what's really going on and when it's happening.
0: Well, I don't know. Um, in a way, I think this might be a better structure because she's keeping the consequences in mind uh, by referring, going back to Naples 2060, whatever it was, uh, 20, whatever that, what, what year was it? 2062, uh, 2060, and, you know, keeping the consequences of their mission in mind, and then going back and tracing how those consequences came about. If you do it all in a linear way, you would, uh, you know, you wouldn't really get, you know, that juxtaposition of the mission and how they blundered in to the consequences that were so vividly outlined in the alternating chapters. Uh, I'm not sure, but that's my feeling about it.
6: Yeah, I'd have to agree with Evan. I thought it was important to the entire story to be bouncing back and forth like that. I thought initially I was a little confused, but it didn't take too long to kind of get the flow of what she was saying. I mean, because we're um, white, you know, Americans. And he said that all his life that people could just look at his family and know something fundamental about him without him having the choice of sharing that with them. And that struck me because in a lot of ways, I think that's what it feels like to be disabled at times is people can look and and know something about you that's really fundamental and you don't have the choice to share that with them. I thought that was pretty insightful of the author.
2: You know, another, another thing that, you know, minor thing, but... In the beginning of the book, when Emilio got beat up by his brother and came back, you know, to Anne's apartment, he was really all messed up. I never really explained, or at least I didn't capture what was going on between him and his brother, except the fact that the family, his family, was involved apparently in drug um, actions
0: and things like that. I guess she figured she had given enough of a hint, but um, yeah, we never really see. You know, he didn't. We don't even. Talk, he does, she doesn't even talk about him having met him or you know why he got beaten up unless he just got beaten up for showing up in town I don't know uh, we, we don't know that
3: yeah I wondered if that was just supposed to indicate the kind of environment that he grew up in or what because it, it didn't seem to go anywhere after that
8: we did know that he was um, Emilio was illegitimate and his brother was aware of that his father used to beat beat up Emilio Um, he was a scapegoat kind of because he was born out of wedlock so maybe his brother was just you know Emilio was the underdog and so his brother treated him the way his father treated him it it did show that perhaps that Emilio was still trying to keep a connection with his family but his brother was having none of it Um, we do learn that um, that the, the merchant, you know, misunderstood and was very sorry for what happened to Emilio. In the second book, I was disappointed that Emilio, no one ever really explained it to Emilio the way the author made sure that we understood it. Um, you know, he went to the planet with, you know, with some vengeance in mind for the merchant, who it turns out is already killed and so he he doesn't get to confront him with why did you do that why did you sell you know sell me into prostitution but i was also disappointed that um no one ever really explained to him why it was done so that he would feel more forgiving um he ends up forgiving the merchant's son but it's more from the son's behavior than from an understanding that the merchant never truly intended him to suffer that way. Um, as I said, the second book—it's pretty heart-wrenching. I mean, we, we we find a lot of answers, but there's there's a lot of more suffering and devastation. I actually thought, in in some ways, the second book was more. Um, violent than the first, because the death toll is certainly higher by the hundreds and hundreds of thousands. You know, they talk about walls and uh, being built of bone. Um, It was just, it was pretty grisly.
0: It was definitely darker in some ways, that's for sure. It was on a more massive scale.
1: I wish that the whole thing with the music were explained more because unless i missed it i don't understand how earth got these radio signals and I, i i mean i remember when it said about um how he's writing poetry and stuff like that but i don't remember if it explained actually how they transmitted and stuff like that did it
3: didn't, I don't think I explained how it got transmitted, but the signals were bounced off of the moon, um, having to do, I guess it was having to do with the orbit of the planet, that it was just different. And the music turns out to be kind of interesting in the second book. Um, Sophia has a son, and uh, he's autistic, and he just he's gifted that way, and he finds some way of coding the... Genetic code for all three species into musical tones, and that in the end of the second book ends up getting broadcast to Earth. And of course, they're all different reactions from humans, but maybe I better not say any more about that. Maybe Evan has more of an idea of how the the signals were sent, and I, I. I think there was more of that in the second book, if I recall.
0: Well, she doesn't talk about the mechanics of it. I mean, she does mention radio towers, and, she, and, and uh, they don't have an ionosphere or much of one, so they can't send signals around the planet the way, you know, AM radio here can, or shortwave radio. So they bounce the signals off the moon, and some of those signals get, you know, uh, go past the moon, and so they're just shot right out into space. And uh, so Earth gets, and you remember in the first book, the the signals were intermittent. They lost them, and then they got them back, and that was part of the reason why some people thought it was a hoax. And um, then they got them back again, and you know, so the um, so but she didn't dwell on that because there, I, I, in that sense, I don't think there was any need for details beyond, you know, what she said about, you know. The radio towers, and that's that's about all you need to know, you know, to know that they were transmitted out and bouncing them off a moon, and of course, that's about all you need to know to know they were sent out into space. As far as the music goes, I just I was telling Lissy just before the meeting, I don't think that music would be very interesting to listen to. It might be interesting for a minute or two, but it would sound probably something like some of Steve Reich's or Philip Glass's stuff, which is okay for. You know a few minutes, but it gets kind of boring there 's no drama or you know there 's no climax there 's no progression from one thing to another. It just kind of you know diddles around on these four base pairs and or these four you know these four adenine guanine cytosine, and thymine and it just goes around and around and you know, I'm sure it gets complicated in some ways, but I don't think it would be very appealing to listen to after three or four minutes. It's just me. And I don't see a whole lot of people on Earth, you know, I don't know a lot of people on Earth that listen to, you know, Philip Reich or Steve Glass or, yeah, Steve Reich or Philip Glass or, you know, that kind of music. Um, I mean, there's electronic music that sounds kind of like that, I guess, so it's not based on DNA necessarily, but, you know, um, I-, I don't think they'll make a very big hit.
3: I think part of what originally attracted humanity at first was, uh, wasn't it Supa Ari, um, who was singing a lot of those songs initially, and that's what the humans heard. And it was a lot of his songs about power and wealth and lust and all that. That's the impression I got of what it really was. Even made, even though it may have sounded really beautiful to humanity on Earth, they didn't really know what it was. But a, a lot of it was his war songs. Um, because well, he was he was the one who was so gifted, he was one of the gifted ones. There was another one who was a poet, and he might have been the one who was singing it not super Ari it was it was the other guy i can 't think what his name was
8: I believe, it might have been super ari 's brother um, who was the poet uh, it wasn 't super Ari he was he was a merchant, and he really wasn 't into music. Um, on another note, I thought it was very distressful in the second book. Um, when we discover all of the serious um, needs of the population, um, the, the prey are nearly—I I mean, the uh, predators are nearly annihilated, and they're in such want, and they're so um, biologically depleted and and it, you know malnourished. Um, they they make a huge change in philosophy, but. Um, I I thought it was very sad that with all of our technological um, development that we can actually, you know, travel from planet to planet. She never shows that the technology seems to be helping solve problems on Earth or on that planet. It's um, this third batch of priests who go up there. um, She shows them interviewing the natives and and talking, uh, you know, about theology, about their about their history, they, the the priests never seem to really be forcing a conversion on the um, on the aliens. But nor do they seem to be doing anything to really help them. You know, they even when they plant the gardens, that is for their own benefit because they miss the foods that they had on Earth, and they find the alien food really distasteful. So it, it was sad that for all that discussion of right and lo- wrong and righteousness and glory and stuff, that there was no practical help given or or received on Earth or on the alien planet. Did, did anybody notice that or feel that lack?
3: I noticed that in the second book, and you're right, because when the predators suddenly, they're on the side where... They're lacking, and they they're not used to that. You know, the plant eaters, um, they live like that. But the the predators are now. Many of them are dead. Some of them are refugees. They don't know what to do because their cities are pretty much gone. Not really, but they're they're in worse shape than they ever were. And and nobody's. You're right. The humans come, and they they have their own agendas. And here are these suffering people, and you know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't see much going on with any helpfulness, um, especially in the in second book regarding the, the aliens, because um, it was their planet, and they certainly deserved better treatment than what they got.
0: Well, this is the thing. I mean, you know, and this is always or mostly true with authors. They have their... Main things they want to talk about their preoccupations sometimes or obsessions, maybe even in some cases i can 't judge that, all. but uh, her main theme here was theological, not te- technological or you know space exploration or you know any of that I mean everything else was built around that, and that's there 's nothing wrong with that it 's just that you know these kinds of things were not the main focus, so you know, her her story was primarily focused on these theological issues most of the time. That's why Sandoz was the main character. His faith and his testing and his denial and his, you know, his coming back to his faith or, I mean, something similar. She never really says that he comes back to it. It's It seems kind of tentative even up to the end. But um, so that's, you know, you're always going to have stuff left out of that, you know, kind of... When you when you have a book that's about what the what the author's main concern is,
2: you know, I, I had mentioned uh, when I per uh, I think at a couple uh, a couple meetings back or maybe the last meeting that there was an interview on this on this series is this, um, NPR series called Speaking of Faith. Uh, that's when I learned about the book. The um, uh, the 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 moderator of the show. Interviewed the author, and it'd be interesting if we could, if that could be located. I had it at one time, but I don't think I have it now. And and you know, they go into the depths of as her motivations for writing the book and things like that. And speaking of the motivations, the fact that both books have, you know, the first book being called the Spiral, and the second book being called the Children of God, as Evan says, it seems like her point of view was was more theological than anything else because. One would wonder why would it be the, uh, the Jesuits to send the expeditions to a planet? Why not NASA or some other uh, space agency? And the only other um, mission was from the United Nations, and that you know played a very small played a very small part.
3: If you get the bookshare versions of these books, at the end of one of them there is that interview. I don't know if it was the NPR interview or not, but there is an interview with her in which she discusses the book, and it's all written out. I keep thinking it's at the end of the second book, but I could be wrong. Um, after the book ends, if you just keep going past the acknowledgments, there's an interview with her. I know it's not included in the NLS book, and that's a shame because it was a good interview. So if you can get it down from Bookshare again, get both of them because I'm not sure if it's in the first book or the second one, but. That interview is worth reading. I'm going to do that because when I was reading through this, I
5: was wondering um, there seemed to be lots of dichotomies going on there between um, you know the various things with the faith and how this society seemed to be advanced, um, more advanced, and not as advanced at the same time. And sometimes I was wondering if the author might be using the um, this alien culture or these cultures to mirror uh, some of the things that are really happening with humanity and to, to point them out. And um, as I'm going through this, I'm feeling that there's some deeper thing that I'm, I'm sort of missing. And I, I, I have a feeling it's uh, just finishing both of the books isn't going to give it to me, if you know what I mean, because there just seems to be so many dichotomies throughout this whole thing.
0: Well, there were some people on Amazon, or at least one, I don't remember how many, uh, but uh, who thought that these races were simply primitive versions of, you know, or or, um, copies of thinly veiled re... um, oh man, thinly veiled restatements of primitive human societies. And I suppose there's something to that. I'm not sure she is an anthropologist by profession, and I think you can see some of that here. Uh, It does come out, um, but, uh, you know, this whole, you know, the John genre, genre, you know, with their um, rigid... Hereditary. Uh, I mean, there's no accident that you know. We get names like Miller and Fisher and Farmer, and you know those names come down because that's the way many primitive society, human societies were. You got your, you got your vocation from your father, who got it from his father, and that's why, you know, these surnames are still here, even though they have nothing to do with. You know, I'm I keep wondering if we're going to start seeing surnames like you know, programmer or chemist or. You know, um, anything you know, software or something like that. But I don't think we're going to see that. But um, so, and you know, then there's of course there's the hunter gatherers, um, you know, pre-agricultural. You know, the runa. You know, but now this, but now she adds this element of the janata preying on the runa and raising them, raising another sentient species, basically. To totally serve them. Now that's a new element. That's not you know anything in human history. So um, but, so uh, there's pro and con sides to that argument.
3: Well, there might be cultures that that do have. Essentially, the Runa were like slaves. You know, if you really stretch it, because um, they provided meat for food which is, i thought that was awful i'm a vegetarian sorry folks i just have a hard time with that one but you know there are different cultures here who do have have underlings or or untouchables like they do in india and uh, in some african cultures they still got slavery um you know and there's all sorts of stuff going on with with that so it may well be that she's trying to reflect on that type of society where you have the upper class, and then you have the the ones at the bottom of the totem pole who won't, who don't have much um, influence on anything. Um, so it could be, you know, that she's talking about stratification and about about different cultures reacting to other cultures and stuff. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here.
8: Theologically, I don't think she ever. I think she was really a wishy-washy person. She, um, because Sandoz never, never re-embraces his faith, and she, she, she never really resolves the issue of, of losing your faith and can you get it back? Um, Sandoz rejects the priesthood, and even though um, he returns to Earth and finds a little bit of family and a little bit of um, maybe warmth that's going to reenter his life, he remains pretty bitter and, you know, pretty... The scars never seem to heal. He finds um, a kind of peace with himself, but never peace with his God. And so I'm not sure whether her message is that there is a peace to be found with God or not considering that she talked about it for two books I don't think she ever really resolved it
3: yeah I agree with that um, I didn't really see much progress in Sandoz either in the second book except he, well he did find some peace and um, all the adventures with with um, you know almost Mary I, I, did they actually get married did he actually marry her Um, I keep thinking that he did, or was it just before they planned to do it that he got kidnapped? I I don't know. For those of you
6: that read the second book, did it seem to tie everything up, or is there the possibility of a third book? Did she mention that in the
0: interview at all? No, uh, it didn't tie up everything up, but I don't think there's going to be a third book. They aren't going to send Sandoz back again, surely. But... um, no, they didn't get married. They were just about to, uh before he, you know, uh, oh, you've already spoiled it. Oh my goodness! Uh, no, before he got kidnapped, they were about to get married, but they didn't.
1: Actually, she didn't spoil it. She's making it more. It's one
3: of those things where you say "curious sir" and "curious sir." Ah, uh, you got me figured out. <laughs> I think this is the kind of thing, though, if you think you're going to read the second book, you may end up doing it, whether you thought you were going to do it or weren't sure if you were or kind of were leaning that way or whatever. But then, you know, there there are other things. Maybe you've had enough of this and you don't want to do the second book. But for the ones who are... They're probably going to.
0: That's true enough. Guys, it's almost 10 o'clock. We've talked, and uh, the time has really flown by, but we should probably start thinking about our next book. Uh, And we've got so many people here that, you know, maybe some new people have some ideas. Uh, This would be a great time to throw them in.
8: I just want to make one more comment about the book, because we've talked about um, Christianity being discussed and, you know, the Jesuits and stuff, but she also... Um, sheds a lot of light on the Jewish religion, a lot of its value. And it seems to me that the author herself never comes down on the side of um, believing in a loving God. What she does do is believe in good works and kindness and love and those kind of values. And I'd be curious to know what people want to read, too.
3: Well, I was going to suggest The Martian, but maybe everybody's read that one by now. I hate to sound like a
5: broken record, but I was hoping, and I know a lot of you have already read it, but I don't think we ever discussed Childhood's End or uh, The Age of Miracles. (laughs) Those two are, I guess, because they've been favorites of mine, but I'm dying to have somebody to discuss them with, you know what I mean? but that, that would be, those would be my um, selections of books.
0: Now, I know I've told this to Lissy before, but I'm sick of Mars. I'm tired of Mars. I, I, I haven't even read any books about Mars recently. I'm tired of Mars. But if the cons- I'll go with the consensus, of course. But uh, you know, I don't want to read books about Mars. But if you guys want to, it's okay.
1: Mars? What are you talking about Mars? The Age of Miracles? That's actually a really good book. And that's about Earth. I don't think I've read that one. Is that on Bard?
0: I'm talking about The Martian.
1: Oh, are you talking about The Age of Miracles, Mary? Yes, it is.
3: No, I was talking about The Martian, but we can skip that, as I said. um, As I read it, and probably everybody else, as Evan said, probably people don't want to do any Mars stuff. But no, I haven't read The Age of Miracles, I don't think. Is that Arthur C. Clarke?
0: No, that was John Bronner, wasn't it?
1: Carla, I can't remember who it was. I can't remember the name of the author, but it was a really good book. Very descriptive. Really good. But also, what about that Peter, whatchamacallit book?
8: Um, I'm not tired of Mars, and I haven't read The Martian, so I'm open to it. Also, The Age of Miracles, I have no idea what that's about. And I'm really open to books that none of us have read before. That would be cool if there's a book you know this group is so well read that it's hard to find a book that everybody hasn't already read of course i'm not as um, versed in science fiction as the rest of you so both of those ideas and the peter hamilton sound good to me so i'm voting yes for everything
3: Okay, I'll look up the Age of Miracles. I'm on Bard right now, so I'll look it up and let you know in a couple of minutes.
0: Yeah, the Hamilton. I was going to mention it, uh, Leela, but I wanted to see what other ideas people had first because we have some people here who haven't been here either before ever or here for a long time. And so, But the Great North Road is still on the table. I want to read it. The only person here who hasn't who has read it is Sherry and she liked it so um, she gets a break unless she wants to read a whole 35-hour book again (laughs) Um, but uh, so it's the closest thing we have so far to a book that nobody else has read except for perhaps Age of Miracles um, which uh, rings a bell a faint bell but uh, I thought it was John Brunner but I could be wrong Um, but that's the only other book that... um, We've heard so far. Mary's read The Martian. I don't know who else. I think Leela, you've read it. Um, but I also I agree with Lissy that I want to try to find books that we haven't all, most of us, read yet. Because um, I want to get, I want to be a book reading club, at least mostly, not a book re-reading club, uh, at least mostly.
6: Yeah, The Great North Road is very good. I really like Peter F. Hamilton. I'm forever in this club's debt for introducing me to that author. I'm going to start on the. Uh, whatever I big long series it is that's on Bookshare that starts with the emergence. I'm going to be starting that soon. The Age of Miracles, is that the one that um, takes place on Earth when the, um, oh, the moon, something happens such that time draws out and you, you start having longer and longer days and nights or something like that? And it's uh, about a, a girl and how the town experiences that. Is that the one?
1: Yes, ma'am. Uh, basically, the Earth starts slowing down. And it's this, I think she's, oh, I want to say 12, but I don't think that's right. She's either 12, between the ages of 12 and 16, but I can't remember. Anyway, it's in her uh, characteriza- or story, and um, it's a good book.
3: Oh, I did read this. It's Karen Thompson Walker. It's about seven hours long. Karen Thompson Walker is the author, and it's about this 11-year-old girl who wakes up and finds out that the Earth is slowing down. I had problems with it because I couldn't find any scientific justification for why it was happening, and uh, that was a big, big showstopper for me because she just said, well, the, the uh, Earth spinning on its axis is slowing down, the days are getting longer, and blah, 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 and I... To me, it just seemed very shallow scientifically, and I complained about that, and somebody said, you're just trying too hard. You know, I guess they wanted me to try to relax and enjoy the book and accept what it was, but I had a lot of problems with it, but, well, that's just me.
6: Yeah, I think it depends on what you're looking for. I, I was fine with that. Matter of fact, I thought it was a little bit refreshing that I didn't have to know why. I think the books, like I think Evan was saying earlier, everybody has their focus, and her focus was definitely the sociological impact of such a thing happening rather than the science so yeah if you're looking for science you are going to be disappointed in this one i thought it was a pretty good book too and, and i'm fine going with whatever the group wants
0: well see now we have four people who've already read it that's uh, almost half and so I'm, I'm inclined to vote against it um for that reason um i think only mary's read the martian if people want to read that that's fine I also agree with Mary. I want to know, you know, that's science fiction. A science fiction. Okay, I'm putting the emphasis on the first word because, you know, you you want to know why. That's what science is about. So my science fiction, I tend to agree. I think there are probably exceptions I can think of if I think hard enough. But usually, you know, you want to know why something like as traumatic as the Earth slowing down, that's got to be a big cause. Um... But, um Sherry is right. there are times, but um, i I tend to agree mostly with Mary on that score i would that would be a big bug bugaboo for me um, so uh, Great North Road is out there. Uh, Sherry, that's the Night's Dawn trilogy. If you're going to start Emergence, you're reading the version that was broken up into six books for publication purposes. By the, I remember I mentioned that on the Science Fiction Book uh, Club list, but it's really only three books that were broken up for um, the American publisher. But you can get the big three-book version um also on bookshare that's why there are duplicates up there three different publishers gave the same books to bookshare and one of them was the one that broke up the books into six volumes anyway but however you get them you'll get the same you'll get the same text
6: yeah i really appreciate your pointing that out you and mary both mentioned some stuff on the list that helped me figure that out cuz i was really confused but yeah now i think i've got it straight i think i'm going to read the smaller ones just because Heck, they're like 20-some hours each anyway, so um, I can break it up better that way. How about Deborah and
1: Marshall? Do you guys have any ideas?
0: Good suggestion.
3: What about The Dreaming Void? Has anybody read that besides Evan? I haven't. I've been trying to get started with it. I'm looking at it. It's on Bard right in front of me, and that's why I just thought of it.
6: Yeah, I've read the Void trilogy and it's it's excellent. I, I really like this author a lot. The Void trilogy was very good.
0: I loved them. I read them for Bookshare. Uh, they've been replaced by PQ version since then, but my copies were up there for a year, at least a year or more than that before they were replaced. I never even read the Bard versions. Kristen Allison reads them, and I'm not a big fan of hers, but um, I loved them also. All three of them. They were another great story. From a guy who knows how to tell a long story very well.
3: Well, the first one's only about 21 hours, and I, I don't particularly like Kristen Allison either, but I'll listen to her if it's a good book. <laughs> but anyway, that's the one that was on my braille display when I was, you know looking at stuff here, and I just wondered if anybody else had read it and see Evan and Sherry are the only two.
6: Well, if we're going to read a Peter F. Hamilton book, one advantage of The Great North Road is that it is a standalone book, I think. At least I didn't find any sequels to it.
0: Yes, it is a standalone It even says so at the beginning, I think. But, yeah, The Dreaming Void, each one of them is shorter than the Commonwealth Saga books or the Night's Dawn trilogy books, but they are a trilogy, so it comes to 65 hours or, or more uh, when you've finished all three. I don't remember how long the Bard versions were. As I said, I didn't read them, so uh, it's not quite as long as the Commonwealth Saga, but it's still a pretty long story. I'd like to read The Great North Road
8: because I love mysteries, and this is, combines my, my love of mysteries and science fiction, and, and I, think,
0: I think maybe Sherry's the only person who's read it. That's right. As far as I know, uh, unless Marshall's read it. I know he reads quite a bit.
5: What's the general premise of the book for those of us that haven't read and may you know, read it and may want to decide? Well, I'd have to
6: um, skim through it again. But the general—it is a mystery. There are people getting murdered. There's a detective involved, and there's also a big, huge space corporation involved. Wow. If Mary, if you're on Bard, maybe you could read us the annotation because I'm really, I really loved it, but I'm blocking on on any more detail than that.
9: Library of Congress annotation. England. Twenty one forty three. Detective Sidney Hurst investigates the murder of a clone from the world's most powerful family. Meanwhile, Angela Tremello, incarcerated twenty years for a similar crime she claims she did not commit, is released and plans vengeance. Strong language, some violence, and some explicit descriptions of sex. Two thousand twelve. From the book jacket: New York Times best-selling author Peter F. Hamilton's riveting new standalone thriller combines the nail-biting suspense of a serial killer investigation with clear-eyed scientific and social extrapolation to create a future that seems not merely plausible but inevitable. A century from now, thanks to a technology allowing instantaneous travel across light years, humanity has solved its energy shortages, cleaned up the environment, and created far-flung colony worlds. The keys to this umpire belong to the powerful North family, composed of successive generations of clones. Yet these clones are not identical. For one thing, genetic errors have crept in with each generation. For another, the original three clone brothers have gone their separate ways, and the branches of the family are now friendly rivals more than allies. Or maybe not so friendly. At least that's what the murder of a North clone in the English city of Newcastle suggests to Detective Sidney Hurst. Sid is a solid investigator who'd like nothing better than to hand off this hot potato of a case. The way he figures it, whether he solves the crime or not, he'll make enough enemies to ruin his career. Yet Sid's case is about to take an unexpected turn, because the circumstances of the murder bear an uncanny resemblance to a killing that took place years ago on the planet St. Libra, where a North clone and his entire household were slaughtered in cold blood. The convicted slayer, Angela Tremello, has always claimed her innocence now it seems she may have been right, because only the St. Libra killer could have committed the Newcastle crime. Problem is, Angela also claims that the murderer was an alien monster. Now, Sid must navigate through a Byzantine minefield of competing interests within the police department and the world's political and economic elite, all the while hunting down a brutal killer poised to strike again. And on St. Libra... Angela, newly released from prison, joins a mission to hunt down the elusive alien, only to learn that the line between hunter and hunted is a thin one.
1: Ooh, I vote for that one.
3: Yeah, and that's Mark Delgado. He's pretty good. Uh, The reading time is 34 hours, 53 minutes. So, um, do you want the book number? Because I'm looking at...
4: I'll vote for The Great North Road.
3: It's uh, DB seven five nine nine six, and uh, I vote for it. But I've got so much on my plate; I don't know how far I'm going to get into it. That's that's the big question.
1: Well, and I was just thinking of something. Since it's so long, what if we? Because I don't, you know, I don't know. I could probably do it, but what if we made
2: it a two-month book? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea because it is a pretty long. Book and I have other, you know, I have other thing, other books reading too. So, of course, I don't, would that mean we
0: wouldn't meet for one month, or how do we do if we were to do that? How how do we do that? Well, uh, we could skip the meeting next month, or we could discuss uh, stuff that people have read or are reading. Um, though, of course, it will inevitably turn into a discussion of Great North Road, I suppose, because people will be in the middle of it if they haven't finished it. But uh Carla wants to talk about childhood 's end and i don 't mind talking about that book for twenty minutes or a half hour or whatever it 's on my favorites list i 'll talk about any book on my favorites list for as long as anybody wants to talk about it, um, or we could skip the meeting it 's really uh, I was kind of hoping we could do it this month because that 's why I was hoping we would do it last month or the month before because you know i 'm traveling this month, and you know the meeting it 's worked out, but you know people were traveling last month, and uh, but September. You know, I don't know what people will be doing. But you're right, it's a long book. If we had done it last month, we would have had five weeks to do it. Now we only have four. But, uh, well, we'll have to vote, I guess, on what we want to do next month.
5: i got to be honest. You've lost me with that book. I see enough murder and stuff on television in 34 hours. I might sit that one out whenever we do it. That said... Um, Maybe we could skip the month of December. Everybody's busy with Christmas and everything like that and, you know, have that one later or something. But, I, you know, as I say, I, I that's not probably going to be on my list. It it just sounds like, I don't know, I'm just not into murder and mystery and, and things like that. I guess that's just a personal thing.
3: I'm the same way, but, I you know, I'll, I'll vote and go along with it if people want to read it, because I figure the majority of the group is into this, so um, that's fine. But I'm not into murder mysteries either. In fact, I can't stand them. (laughs) But as I said, I don't want to rock the boat at all. Well, I can say from having read the book, I'm not a big
6: mystery reader either. But the mystery in this one is... Uh, sort of a subplot to the science fiction. I mean, there's so much science fiction in here that you won't mind the mystery them trying to figure out what happened. It's not... It's a major part, but... It's not certainly not your typical murder mystery by any stretch of the imagination. And
0: having read six other of Hamilton's books, a couple of them twice, I can say that um, his descriptions of settings, planets, you know, uh, characters, you know, his his tales are full. You know, they aren't just. You know, it's not going to be a police procedural. It's not going to be, you know, a a, a deep. I mean, as as. Well, you know, there was a big mystery plot in, you know, the uh, Pandora Star and the uh, Judas Unchained, but uh, this one may have more of a focus on the mystery, but but Hamilton's always good at setting and characters and, you know, at extrapolating, you know, the future, and I kind of like the idea of You know, though, looking at the timeline, there's some problems I have of shipping people. But um, I kind of like the idea of humanity, you know, kind of getting its act a little bit together here. You know, we're not in a resource-depleted, apocalyptic world, you know, that so many people like to depict. It's more of a Star Trek universe in some ways, where humanity's kind of got its act together a little bit and has solved some of its big problems. And uh, I kind of like that kind of future, and I'd like to read how Hamilton uh, depicts it. Um, so that's a big part of it, but I like this guy, he's got, you know, he's got sense of wonder, it's, I know it's going to be in here, I'm looking forward to seeing what it is, Um, so, you know, there are a lot of good things about this author, and I, I'm not a huge fan of murder mysteries, I've read some with Lissy, but, you know, it's not my main thing, but, um, you know, Hamilton does it, you know, I'm prepared to, uh, I'm prepared to try it because of his good name.
4: I'd really like to go for that for next month. Um... We do have a Labor Day weekend in there to uh, finish it off. I've, I'm getting kind of down on science fiction, and I need to reawaken myself.
8: I'd like to read it, too, for next month. Um, so I vote yes for the hem-
6: well, not to make things more complicated, but we could just arbitrarily decide to meet on the third Thursday next month instead of the second one.
0: Well, it's always in the newswire. I mean, the date is always in the newswire. We don't have to stick to this. It's a good habit because, you know, then people can prepare it and keep it clear. But if, I mean, there's more people here than there have been for quite a while. So, you know, if people want to pull, you know, push things up a week or so, I'm fine with that.
1: Uh, The only thing is, is there anything else on Accessible World? Uh, I don't think so.
6: I can't think. Any, none of the major book clubs meet on the third Thursday, but there might be a guide dog thing or one of those.
3: That's what I was thinking too. Is you know they have kind of gotten used to us meeting on the second Thursday, and the book nook is empty then. So I kind of think it might be good to just skip next month and go to October. That way everybody has a chance to read as much of it as they want. And, you know, it is kind of long, but we've done longer books than this. So so anyway, I, I vote for just going... Yeah, you know, next month without a meeting, and then meeting in October.
0: Yeah, that's true. I, I, I uh, Leela was right. Um, yeah, we can't count on the book nook being empty the third Thursday or the fourth Thursday or you know any other day because this is our day, you know. And uh, Bob, you know, they know about it and they keep it empty for us. So um, we should either skip next month or hold the meeting at the regular, you know, second Thursday.
8: I vote for doing. Meeting and discussing the book in September because, for those of us who are pretty prolific readers, uh, at least speaking for myself, if we wait till October, I'm going to have already started something else and um, it won't be fresh in my mind. So, maybe we could meet um, in September and people can just talk about it as far as they've gotten along and then they can always finish it after the fact.
0: Well, and Mary, I've seen you. I saw you read Pandora's Star, and you were on DB Review back then, and you read Pandora's Star and Judas Unchained pretty quick.
3: Yeah, but what you don't know is that I slept for a couple of days after it. My head was so worn out. (laughs) Eighty-something hours in a week was way too much. I'm never going to do that again. (laughs) I was in really
1: bad shape. (laughs) Yeah, and I'll bet you had some odd dreams, too. I agree with that. Besides, I forgot we had Labor Day weekend in there. Yeah, let's do it.
0: Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with Leela, Marshall, and Lissy. I think we should just have the meeting. I think we can make it. And, you know, as I said, and as Lizzie said, if people don't finish it, but I think most of us will finish it. Um, it we've we've read longer books. You know, we read Pandora Star. We didn't skip a meeting, did we? I don't think we did.
3: Yeah, we did, cause, didn't we? That was July and August of last year, wasn't that? Well, look at it this way. If
6: you can read nine hours a week, um, and you're you're certainly reading that much in other books, so that should make it go faster if you want to spread it out.
8: Another thing is that I think, um, you know, it sounds like a long book, and it is, but if you really like it, you're going to get into it, and it'll have its own impetus. And if you don't like it, you probably wouldn't have finished it anyway. So I say let's go for, for September.
2: Yeah, I agree. Let's do that. And I'm going to say goodnight to everyone. I'm going to leave here and get the book, download it, and try to get it onto my Bookport Plus. So we'll see you all in September.
8: Martin, thanks for hanging in there with um, – um, Sparrow, because I th- really thought it was worthwhile reading. A nice, nice change of, sh- of feeling for science fiction
3: book. A good
0: variety. Yes, if your persistence—if uh, you hadn't been persistent, it wouldn't have paid off. Because I don't think—I think we could have kept—we would have kept pushing it back. Because I really—I uh, I enjoyed it pretty well. I wouldn't give it five stars, but I—I'm glad I read it. And uh, I don't know if I would have if you hadn't kept bringing it up. So you know, your persistence paid off there.
1: And real quick, thanks, Deborah and Marshall, for uh, coming, too. Welcome. Hope to see you guys again.
0: Okay, we're going to do Great North Road uh, by Peter F. Hamilton. Our next meeting is on Thursday, September eleventh, 2014. And this is the end of the recording.